Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. If you like this podcast, you will love my new anthology called Moms Don't Have Time to Have Kids. Check it out, and you'll hear from 49 authors about all sorts of things moms don't have time to do. All the authors have been on this podcast. Also, check out my TikTok, at with Zibby and Tracy, my other podcast, Sex Talk with Zibby and Tracy. Check out Moms Don't Have Time to Write on Medium. And of course, my new publishing company called Zibby Books. And now back to our daily author interview site and a quick hello from some of my kids. Hi. Hi. Hello. Enjoy the show. If you like this podcast, you will love my new anthology called Moms Don't Have Time to Have Kids. Here's a little snippet by one of the authors from the anthology. Hi, my name is Melissa Schultz and I'm thrilled to have contributed to Moms Don't Have Time to Have Kids. My essay is called Sunlight Through an Angled Window, and what I really don't have time for is doing nothing. Still, I try to do a little nothing every day. Kate Bowler is the author of No Cure for Being Human and Other Truths I Need to Hear. Kate is a New York Times bestselling author, host of the podcast Everything Happens, and a Duke University professor. After being unexpectedly diagnosed with stage 4 cancer at age 35, she wrote Everything Happens for a Reason and Other Lies I've Loved, which tells the story of her struggle to understand the personal and intellectual dimensions of the American belief that all tragedies are tests of character. Her latest book, No Cure for Being Human, which is already on the bestseller list, grapples with her diagnosis, her ambition, and her faith as she tries to come to terms with limitations in a culture that says anything is possible. Welcome, Kate. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss No Cure for Being Human and Other Truths I Need to Hear. 
Thanks so much for having me. Hello. Oh my gosh. I know I was just telling you this, but your book was so good. And I expected nothing less because I had read your previous book and have sort of been following along for a long time, but it even surpassed, I mean, your honesty, how in touch you are with like what really matters in the world. That sounds hokey. So it wasn't hokey, but, and (laughs) your, and your writing ability, it's like all of it combined. It was like, and it wasn't too long. It's like the perfect book. And I'm sorry you went through all this, but as a book, it's like a perfect book. (laughs) <laughs> that that absolutely makes my life. Thank you so much for saying that. When I write, I try so hard to to like get into a mental space where I'm saying that it's usually either like the hardest thing or the funniest thing that has happened, which usually like hits me in the same way, but it's not something I usually say out loud to somebody. And so it feels really special to, to have people read it and then to feel kind of really known in that. So thanks so much. Sure. Why don't you explain about like why you decided to write this memoir, how, and I'm also just so curious as you were going through this, this is about, this takes place over the course of your cancer treatment and, and journey and all of that journey. So hokey. I keep saying all these hokey words. I'm sorry, but what, why in the midst of all that, or when during that process, did you also decide to put writing a memoir on your plate in addition to everything? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer when I was 35 and that really that just blew up the life that I had before. The life I had before was I had so many dreams of being a, a like a fancy historian and I was going to have a lot of gargoyles in my presence. And like, I imagined I'd be sipping port. And I really thought like I had a whole life, like a whole till I, I mean, I've seen people retire at 80 something with these glorious intellectual lives. And I figured I just had decades to be that person that I'd hoped to be. And then when I very suddenly found out that I was not likely to survive the year and that then I had to really try to put together a version of what it would mean to live. And at first I was really kind of struck by the, all the problems of, of like a crisis where you're like, why, why is this happening? It's so overwhelming. I have this little adorable, I I had like a, like a two-year-old at the time who was just all smushy and googly eyed and and this husband I had loved since I was 14. And and I the, the intensity of that moment was really what started me writing in the first place because I realized that I I was not equipped to deal with the fact that I suddenly felt like I was a problem that everyone was trying to explain. And so because I'm a historian who studies cultural scripts, like the stories that we tell, especially the spiritual stories that we tell, I just wanted to keep writing because I just, as I moved from a crisis to a chronic condition, I realized that the advice never stopped. All of a sudden it went from, you know, why is this happening to you to, well, just be present or you only live once or make sure to empty that inbox and create that side hustle. And I was like, oh no, I will forever be attempted to be solved by green smoothies. So (laughs) I just kept writing to try to make sense of all the formulas I was being handed. Interesting. So were you literally writing alongside as everything happened or did you just take notes or did you do it at the end? Like when did it all happen? Yeah. When something, um, I, I usually write in little snippets because, well, my life is very surreal. <laughs> so I tend to have like, you know, I went from this massive, you're probably going to die this year to a series of life-threatening surgeries. And then to a very prolonged sense that every, and I still have them every six months, I have kind of a big sort of cliff. I walk up to the edge of, in terms of my health. 
And so, so in the midst of that, I just found that I was either, I was going to have to learn how to pivot really fast, like pivot between a hospital day and then clicking back in and trying to be a mom and also just not being a dink friend where you actually remember people's birthdays and that they do need to talk about that boyfriend they need to break up with. So in the pivoting fast, I found that my life was almost like, you know, those like little click, 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 uh, those, remember the like slide view things from when we were little and every scene was so different. And so I think I was just writing to try to, to make sense of, of how to live in so many different kinds of time, like ordinary time and crisis time, and just be a normal person at this kid's birthday time, that sort of thing. Oh, and then pandemic time, I suppose. (laughs) And you also just kind of wove in with everyone, these like light commentaries or histories, or you like put it all in context or something like it was all, you all, you like very subtly kind of like drew back the lens and gave us some <laughs> context and then like zoomed back in again for a close up, you know, which is Aww. also really interesting. And you can tell how great you are at like research and everything. I mean, even all the stuff you're saying about digging into all the data and I mean, basically figuring out your own diagnosis at one point. And like, I was, I was like, I cannot believe she figured this out. Not, I mean, that you, yeah. that, that there could yeah. be such an error that, that people could be so rushed that it would really befall. It would have to fall on you, the patient and your, yeah. and your giant brain to like decipher all the data. Oh, it is one of the great, I think, mental, I think it's one of the big burdens of being a patient is you're never sure if you're supposed to be a patient and like the word comes like from like to endure and just to, just to be the person in the waiting room who does puzzles and just tries to get through a really hard day or whether you're supposed to toggle to standing up for yourself, trying to learn more about your diagnosis and your treatment. I had such a rare, have such a rare medical situation because I have a kind of cancer that normally is reserved for usually old men. And a lot of young people are getting cancer now. And also the immunotherapy I took was so I was on a, in a clinical trial. And so I really found that I was in this very strange place of sometimes it was just my job to like learn how to take a nap, which I never learned, (laughs) or I had to learn how to fight for my life. And being Canadian, which is to say not prone to using my healthy outdoor voice, <laughs> it was it was like a very, very intense time for me to to learn to be the kind of person who who believed I should live in a system that often makes you feel very disposable. Wow. You wrote many times about this concept of finitude, right? The, if that's even how you pronounce it, finite, finitude, yeah. right? Yeah, you're right. We all have to sort of wrestle with that from start to finish, that yeah. we are all living in this uncomfortable place of life will end. We do know this. And yet we must get out of bed and make the most of it every day. Yeah. And so how do you yeah. reconcile how do you reconcile that and still figure out how do you allocate your time in the present, knowing all of these things without lingering in the past and fast forwarding all the time to plans. And I mean, essentially what you're talking about is like the crux of living, which is why no cure for being human is like the best title. Like, (laughs) cause it's, cause you're really saying like, how are we supposed to live? Whether you have this diagnosis or not, this is a common affliction. We are all on our way to death at some point. We just can acknowledge it or not acknowledge it. We can know (laughs) it's coming sooner or we don't, or it's going to come without us knowing it. But, you know, the denial that many people live with doesn't make 
things any better necessarily. I don't know. What do you? Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, it's because I, I just love the word finitude because I just, I really just like thinking about the problem we have of whether things feel like enough. You know, we always want the math of our life to just add up to more and more and more and more. And I think this is a, like a really intense problem, especially for Americans, she said lovingly, because they're so future obsessed. Like everything is, you know, even if someone's caught in a terrible thing they've done in the past, in those celebrity interviews, it's always my favorite moment where they go, but it made me who I am today. As if like the past is always just this inevitable rush into the present. And then, and then from then we're always just supposed to be pouring into our endless, you know, best life now, tomorrow's a brighter, you know, little orphan Annie tomorrow, tomorrow. And the solution to that, of course, is that there, there is no solution, especially as people who love lots of people. Like as I know, as a parent, I felt this so acutely because I, at first I was like, oh crap, I'm like, a, I'm just a ticking bomb. And now I have to count, I have to count my minutes. But that attitude was never going to make me a better mom, a kinder friend, because you really can't transform all of your minutes into moments. Like every sitting in traffic isn't going to be like an existential breakthrough for us. Like sometimes we, I think maybe just the wisdom to know the difference between the two is be like, all right, sometimes they're just minutes and then other time and, and, and other times are moments and moments doesn't mean that we have to be like always carting our kid off to Disneyland or trying to make like pancakes in the shape of a bear. Though that is always actually a really good idea. I am not good at making pancakes and shapes. I have tried that. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I mean, and I'm also afraid to put like the cookie cutter on the pan. Cause isn't it going to yeah, burn? Right? It's a terrible, That's you're a right. Yeah. So, it just like scrapes off the Teflon. Yeah. Awful idea. So I don't know. I, I lack that. I would like, <laughs> I, I, I envy the people out there who can make, you know, Mickey shape. I don't know. Elaborate <laughs> pancake things. Anyway, but Kate, like you're, even the way you write, and I have to say, I read a lot of this, but I also listened to a couple chapters when my daughter was in the car. And I literally paused it. I was like, did you hear that sentence? Like, did you hear that? And she was like, yeah. Oh, oh, your sentences even. I mean, hold on. Let me just try to find a couple examples because I dog-eared like every other page here. Let's see. I like this. Okay. Today will be as ordinary as yesterday. Days and weeks working out the consequences of the moments that came before. We like to imagine that we are starring in an extended morality play where lessons are learned and the hero never dies. But in fact, we must make do with the fact that there will be weddings and funerals again this year and everyone will still spend most of their evenings watching Netflix. (laughs) This is a kind of freedom. The only question is how we should live under the burden of it. It's this whole notion of like making things count. Here, wait, let me read another one. Let's see. The produce store. Oh, that was funny. The produce, and your mom like stops traffic to talk about the apple. <laughs> uh, My mom's always yelling. There, there are, she's always interrupting like some big moment to be like, girls, 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 there are three kinds of apples. And I, I just thought it was absolutely delusional until I, I can hear it in myself every 30 seconds. <laughs> There's Does also, everyone have what they need? <laughs> <laughs> this other scene too about your mom. You said my mother, no matter how grateful she is to good medicine, will always see my surgeons as butchers. They cut thick lines that crisscross under my clavicle, bisected my stomach, and swooped down from my sternum. And when she saw me lying on her couch, my shirt accidentally exposing the puckered seams of my scars, she couldn't help herself. If you don't mind, she said quickly and leaned over and kissed my stomach before I could reply. This is the burden of a mother's love how it must hover without landing. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Oh. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> moms. Oh my gosh. Right. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I like, it's just so hard to read this and not cry and laugh. And I mean, oh my gosh, your mom, I mean, and your love for your son and, and even your relationship with your dad. I mean, the dissertation and like the, you know, all his funny jokes and like you're two, you two are like obviously just so on the same wavelength about everything. I mean, it's you know, it's just so funny. You're like two little peas in a pod. It's like <laughs> the whole thing. It's just amazing. I'm sorry you cried. <laughs> no, it's uh, my dad's a historian, and so then I became a historian. And one of the great joys of my life is setting up Zoom for my dad and my son before bed. And I can hear him saying, asking the same ridiculous things I used to ask when I was little, like, who was the meanest King of England? And the sense that like the beauty of our lives is in, is in the storytelling. It's in all the dumb details and being able to share a story with somebody, which is what love does, which is what history, if you're a nerd like me does. I just, that always feels like I'm getting to the, the marrow of it. It's so true. I mean, even like this podcast, I'm like, it isn't about books really, right? It's about stories. Like that's what everybody needs. Like, that's why I can talk about this like all day, every day. I'm not like, that's when people talk about books and people love books and people love reading. It's not that they love like running their eyes across words on a page, right? It's that we're connecting with each other. And I feel like a book like yours is just like, it's just like a shoot, a shot of adrenaline, right? Of like, you know, an infusion, if you will, right? Because you're, oh. you're, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to just be like lavishing praise for no reason, but I was trying to, in my head, even think like, why is it that this is such an amazing book? What did she do so well? Like, aside from your powerful story, but there are lots of stories of people getting sick and, right? But that's not it. It's just that you just so get the world and you write in these scenes and I don't know. Anyway, I'm rambling. <laughs> I'm totally rambling. This I'm going to ponder in my little heart, I guess. Cause I, I mean, the, the feeling I have that I, I probably had before, but it just, 
sort of burst when I got sick was the feeling of being broken open because my own pain made it impossible for me to just hold on to my more cherished delusions. Like I'm, I'm independent. I can solve most of my own problems. My life is a series of choices and I'm just going to choose really well. And then when I could barely choose anything, I found I was just trying so hard to say, you know, most of life will be determined by the things we won't choose or, or just that the, the more that I felt desperately in love with the world. And the more that we all love, the harder it gets Mm -hmm. because it makes it absolutely impossible for there ever to be enough. And like, that's the, that's the, that's the story I wanted to tell because it's the deepest truth I know, which is this, like, I think life only gets harder (laughs) because if we're doing it right, because it's just dumb love, right? It's just heart exploding, dumb, beautiful love. And I wanted to just kind of be there with everybody else just saying that, even though it, it's just not the kind, you know, just not the kind of thing that's great at parties. (laughs) I think this whole concept of, of things counting and all of your, you know, all of the quantifying that you do in the book, right? How many minutes do I have left? How many seconds, how much time? And even how you like refer back to units of measurement and how random that was with like, people, an acre is like how far your oxen can, I don't even know, right? Like walk across and, you know, just how these random measurements of time become accepted and then become clung onto because what else do we have to hang our hat on other than the second hand and like the units of measurement. And then we are so focused on like distilling it down into little things that we can count that then you miss this broader picture. Yes, that's right. Yes. Yeah. I think especially too, when we want universal formulas for universal lives and absolutely nothing about our life really is universal. Like it's only meaningful because you have that one old friend and you remember that one hilarious thing her boyfriend said. And then in the moment you understand her humiliation when she fell out of a car by accident. And like, I just, I love the specificity of learning to love people because I mean, that that's like the grand drama is that there really is no, there's no generic life. And it's like, this is a weird conclusion I got from reading the, I really enjoyed the Mindy Kaling book, Is Everyone Hanging Out Without Me? Mm -hmm. And talking about how much she loves her friends and how funny they are. And in reading that book, I realized I didn't want her friends, that there was just truly going to be nothing ever better than the friends I already have. (laughs) Because, Because it's all the details. And like how wonderful to be so stuck in our stories that we can't be pulled out of them, not for any dumb self-help book, not ever. But you also, you talk about your friends a lot. I mean, they're like central characters. And I mean, you're obviously a good friend. Like you like check, you're checking, you're doing all the things still, like no matter what. (laughs) Well, I wish there were more books on friendship because I think once I knew I was like a kind of like a structurally unsound building, you know, like I was just gonna like, like the window would fall off and like the (laughs) foundation would crack. I have been very, I've just been a strong, this is my like deep desire for everyone to accept interdependence instead of this American hyper-individualism. But like I picture friends as being like when in the medieval era, they realized they wanted to build buildings taller. And they're like, gosh, we really could get this above three floors. Let's try to get seven. And it only works if you have external scaffolding. And I love, so like the flying buttresses that come off of cathedrals, I always thought, oh, what a great that is exactly what my friends are. So that's who I dedicated the book to is my two best friends who I 
call my flying buttresses, which is like not a very, not like it doesn't, it just doesn't roll off the tongue. Also, I forgot to tell them I dedicated the book to them. And there was a lot of, just a lot of confusion and crying when I handed, I was like, oh, here, my bubble. I wrote this book. So what is it like now that the book is out? Like, how is that affecting your day-to-day life? Because I'm an academic, I think it makes me so excited that I finally get to have all the arguments I want to have. And I really want to have a lot of arguments. I want to have an argument about how the genre of self-help is convincing people, especially women, that they should be indestructible side hustle relationship conquering monsters who do everything on their own. I love to complain about self-help. I love to um, complain about the problems of American individualism. I I love just talking about the nature of hope and how hope is different than optimism. So I think the fact that I get to have all these arguments, honestly, just it, it, it thrills me because I... <laughs> Because I, I care so much about the consequence of these ideas for all of us. So if, if it can be anything, I want it to be not about my story, but about the story we all need, which is that we were never going to be able to do this alone. Wow. I love that. And so now from a health perspective, now that I feel like, you know, I deserve to know all the intimate details <laughs> of your future health issues. Um, so what are we doing now? Are we waiting for the next scan? Is that where we are? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> that's where we are. Yeah. I'm kind of on the, um, like if there's like a health super highway, I'm sort of on the, like the bumpy adjacent road. The service so, road? Yeah. I'm on the service road. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I am on the service. That's a perfect thank you. I'll remember that. Yes, I'm on the service road. So things are always there. I mean, there's so much better than before, but I think for me, cancer like life will just kind of remain a chronic condition. Wow. And what I know you're so anti-bucket list and with good reason, <laughs> and I, you know, all of that is good. And I know you don't want to plan too much and you know yeah. get distracted. So I, I hate, I hesitate to even ask like, what's next? But like, yeah. when you look even just in the next week or like the next month or the next few minutes, like, what are you most looking forward to? Yeah. Because well, I think I, yeah, I'm very anti-bucket list because, you know, I do think it is just our, our endless sense of trying to finish our lives, but I love dreaming. And I think it's, it's such a beautiful thing to even let ourselves dream. And my dreams are usually really weird. Well, I, I really like to write. I'd really like to write another book. Yeah. I want to write essays about like lately, I was just so mad about how people were using the term manifesting. So I'd like to write something like that. I wrote a little devotional book that'll come out in February called good enough. So I was trying to think about like, you know, what could we, what, could we reach for instead of perfect? And I was like, oh, good enough. So that made me laugh. Um, <laughs> I, I'd really like to go out in my camper with my uh, husband and son and, and like see some ridiculous things like world's largest golf ball kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think that would make just accommodating to this limited, the limited horizon of both health and the pandemic means I'd like to create some lovely joys that are about three to six months out of reach. The camper does not sound like a joy to me, but, <laughs> but my son, my littlest guy asks me all the time, can we go on a camper trip? I don't know. He must've seen it on YouTube or something. And I'm kind of like, yeah. no, probably no, not. No, we so can have other dreams. If you yeah. want to pick up a New Yorker who will be like, you know, where's my iPad after five minutes in the camper? <laughs> I'm sure he'll, uh, he would have an I'll easy roll on participant. Through. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's awesome. In your travels. What advice would you have to aspiring authors? Oh, yeah. I think there is... I think I only started writing when I gave up the maybe the pride that I had, that I had to be good. I just realized it was okay to try and it was okay to experiment with um, something that I knew how to do without maybe trying to imitate anyone else. So one thing I practiced doing is I just wrote uh, funny little stories and I sent them to a friend and I found those little paragraphs really gave me a lot of confidence to like write them into bigger maybe more layered stories. So yeah, that's usually what I do if I either feel stuck or I'm not sure how to begin is I write things that strike me as either wonderful or ridiculous. And I I text them in a few paragraphs to a friend and I find that's usually like the beginning of something kind of good. Awesome. I love that. Yeah. I feel like Instagram is like, you know, you, you're writing, you know, just write something <laughs> funny, like, right. I yeah. Get on there. Totally. It's like mind the, mind the moments. Yeah. Know. Yeah. That's right. Kate, thank you for this book. Thank you for sharing the pain that you went through in so many ways and the personal, like, just thanks for opening up your door and letting us all in. And like, I feel like, you know, we got to sort of like a little fly and <laughs> I'm looking for a better expression than fly on the wall. But, you know, I mean, it's like watching a really sad but uplifting movie where you're just like so rooting for the main character and you're like don't talk to me while I watch the end of this movie go away (laughs) you know I have to see what happens and then you like kind of cry when it's over because of the journey of it but also you know because of what happened I don't know it makes us feel that's the best thing a book can do is like make you really feel so yeah wow thank you for thank you for rooting for me I am. I am totally rooting for you. And um, yeah, good luck with everything. Keep writing. You should write for moms. No time to write if you ever have extra essays floating around. I have like a whole medium site. So, oh, that sounds great. Thanks, hon. All right. What a beautiful time. All right. Have a great day. You too. I'll think of you while camping when it's a bad (laughs) idea. When it breaks down, I'll think Think of of you while camping. And if you want to trade kids, you know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Done, done, done. Okay. Okay. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.